Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of Infinite Basketball. I'm your host Alex, and we will get started. Um, so today, as we know, the NBA playoffs are continuing and have started, and started on Saturday. This is very exci- very exciting occasion, most exciting time of the year for the NBA. So today, I'm going to give you guys my the my predictions of who will win the NBA playoff series that are going on right now. And I know uh, each team has already played at least one game, but I predicted all the series before they played their their first game. So I didn't I didn't predict the series in the middle of the game. I predicted it before, just so you guys know. But first, before we get into that, I'm going to give you guys uh, just a, a short recap of what happened in the play-in tournament, um, because because uh, four four of the teams in the play-in tournament went to the playoffs, and then four did not. So I'm going to tell you who those teams were by recapping the games. So the first first game I'm going to talk about is Hornets versus Pacers. Yeah, this one, the Pacers just dominated the whole way. <clears throat> um, Hornets just didn't come out with enough energy. I feel like the Pacers had more energy and had more more of a game plan to them. Uh, Hornets' defense was just all over the place, like as in they didn't know what they're doing, what they were doing out there. And the Pacers, I mean, they were they looked like they came in with a plan. They were. Uh, Doug McDermott especially was draining threes in the first quarter. Sabonis wasn't real high on points, but he had 21 rebounds and almost a triple-double with nine assists. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon did pretty good in his game back, 16 points, eight assists. And they also got some really, really nice plays from um, from their bench and role players, the Pacers. So everyone really had a solid night for them. Um, they had eight and double digits, so that helped a lot. Um, yeah, the Hornets, Rozier had a really off night from three. 0 of 9 from three. Uh, LaMelo was really bad on the plus minus, neg- minus 35 when he was on the floor. But uh, the one bright spot for the Hornets uh, in this game was Cody Zeller. I mean, no one's seeing what he did this game. He went seven for seven from the floor, made all seven of his shots, and made all three of his free throws and got 17 points. Other than that, nothing was really going too well for the Hornets. Bridges had a solid night, 23 points, eight rebounds, four assists. But that was really about it for the Hornets. Devontae Graham, I mean, was just could not find his groove at all. I mean, it, it just wasn't good for the Hornets this night. Um, but you know, this is the, the Pacers have more guys with playoff experience on their team and the Hornets, a lot of those guys, they had, they did not have not had much playoff experience. So for a young Hornets team, like the one they have, this game was very important to them. And now that they, they can learn what to do the next time they're in the situation. So this game gave them experience 
which is good, which is, which is good. So really that, believe it or not, that isn't the worst thing that could have happened ever to the Hornets because they're going to learn from this situation and build on, build on from it and be like, okay, we're not going to let that happen again. So they really did learn from this situation. And like I said, with the young players they have that are going to be on this team for a while and are going to keep playing, this that's important. All right, on to the Wizards-Celtics game. So the Pacers advanced to the next uh, to the next game in the play-in tournament. But let's talk about Pacer Wizards-Celtics. So this game, I mean, was a comeback for the Celtics. They outscored the Wizards by 20 in the third and fourth quarters combined and won by 18 points. The first half, the Wizards were up by two. But, I mean, like I said, it was a comeback for the Celtics. Um. Yeah, the Celtics played really solid defense, especially in that second half. Um, But the most important part was Jason Tatum. He exploded for 50 points. And like I said in the podcast uh, a week ago, I said that for the Celtics to win, he would need to have a big scoring night. And they won, and he did have a big scoring night. So I was right on that part, but I still did predict the Wizards. Um, He he made uh, nine shots from two, five threes, made 17 free throws. I mean, that's really good. But it wasn't just him. He got a lot of help from Kemba Walker, which really helped them out. Because if the Celtics didn't get that help from him, this game would have been a lot closer. And Kemba needs to play more games like this in the playoffs. If they could get him consistent like this, that would be great for them. Kemba scored 29, made six threes. Uh, Very solid game for him. Uh, other than that, there wasn't much scoring going on for the Celtics, so that's why they're really going to need Kemba to step it up. And on the defensive end, they did very good on Russell Westbrook. Well, for him, he still got 20 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, but didn't get near that triple-double with the assist. And he had a really off-shooting night, 6 for 18, 0 for 4 from 3. Bradley Beal was 1 for 6 from 3. Davis Bertans, the... The Wizards, really good three-point shooter. He was 0 for 7 from 3. So good defense from the Celtics in this one to get back in the game. So that had the Wizards face the Pacers, Celtics secured the seventh Hornets were eliminated. So then what happened was the Wizards uh, exploded the Pacers, which was the opposite of what happened to these two teams in the first game. Because the Wizards in the first game, you know, they they – Lost the Celtics by 18. Pacers blew the Hornets out of the water. So, I mean, but this was the opposite. Uh, Big fourth quarter for the third quarter, sorry, for the Wizards. They scored 48, outscored the Pacers by 17 in that quarter. Yeah, for the Pacers, they had a triple-double from Sabonis. Um, Brogdon was even better than the last game with 24. But other than that, the role players weren't the best. Doug McDermott still gave us solid contribution to the team and the other guys were okay shooting ball on the offense the Pacers were about average uh, a little bit above but they could just not stop the Wizards um Wizards Russell Westbrook did better shooting this game he had 15 assists this game and how about Daniel Gafford he's been a good he's been really good for the Wizards which is surprising a lot of people um he scored 15 points 13 rebounds he had five blocks too so impressive Bradley Beal, a lot more efficient this game. Four for seven from three, 25 points. Um, so just they fixed the things that they did wrong, really, the Pacers. And their defense was good enough. So so that made the the Wizards the, uh, the eighth seed. 
and the Pacers were eliminated. So so basically the play-in tournament meant nothing for the Eastern Conference. Everything stayed the same. Now the Western Conference, we have the Spurs played the Grizzlies first. This game was a really defensive game. Um, four times occurred when a team scored under 20 points for a quarter. Happened to the Grizzlies two times and same for the Spurs. Um, so, so the Spurs, one of the main reasons they lost was actually because of their, was because two of their star players, DeJounte Murray and DeMar DeRozan, each had really off shooting nights. They combined for nine of, nine of 38 from the floor. Just let that sink in. That's how many shots they missed. Nine of 38. Made nine of their 38 shots. DeRozan still had 20 because he made 10 free throw points. DeJounte Murray still had a triple-double, but still, those shooting numbers are not going to give you the win, uh, especially since they're their star players. Um, Murray had a triple-double, like I said, 10, 13, and 11. Um, and they had double-doubles from uh, Johnson and Pirtle, 10, 10, and 11, 11. Rudy Gay had 20, I believe, off the bench. Uh, so good, but what, what got the Spurs out of this was the bad shooting from their top players. Um, now for the Grizzlies. I mean, uh, we'll talk about them later in the playoff series uh, things. But, I mean, this was solid game for them, but they also had some struggles in the offensive end. Um, Job Morant, 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Okay night for him. Um Dylan Brooks, he's really been a key piece for the Grizzlies, uh, in, especially in that play-in tournament game versus the Warriors. Um, he had 24 points. And Valachunas, possibly one of the most underrated players in the NBA right now, I think. He's He had 23 points, 23 rebounds. It's that rebound number. No one realizes that how big that number is. And then he also can score the ball, uh, play okay defense, and he gives you height in the paint. So uh, he was very good in this game. Uh, him, Morant, and Brooks scored over half of the Grizzlies' points. So they were the big keys to the win here. Um, yes, those are some reasons why the Grizzlies won this one. Uh, <clears throat> just played good defense, and their offense uh, was, was good enough. Now, next game, Warriors-Grizzlies, possibly – one of the most exciting tournament games before the Grizzlies-Warriors game. Um, this was a comeback for the Lakers because the Warriors were ahead by 13 at halftime. Lakers cut it to two at the end of the third and then one by three. By the way, this was a LeBron James th uh, game-winning three-pointer. It wasn't at the end of the game, but he made the last shot to, to break the tie when there was 58 seconds left. It was, it was a great play. If you didn't see that one, you should totally check it out. KCP was in trouble, passed it out to LeBron. LeBron took the three. Uh, so where the three-point line is, he was feet back from that. And then Curry came up. He still drained out the shot clock going down. Great play. Um, yeah, so for the Warriors in this one, I mean, this, even though they lost, it just shows how valuable Curry is to this Warriors team. He scored 37 points. Still, They still can't get the win, and they they need even more from him. I mean, he's so valuable to this team, even with Andrew Wiggins getting 21, Draymond Green having an all-round performance other than scoring, really. Um, yeah, but they still need so much from Curry. 
Um, yeah, uh, Draymond Green. They, I think they needed. They definitely need him to score more. He's been passing some things that he should not have. That he should not pass up, especially in that Grizzlies game. I saw. Anyways, for the Lakers, um, LeBron had a triple double. Anthony Davis really had an efficient, well, pretty efficient from the floor. He had 25 points, 12 rebounds, leading scorer for the Lakers. And KCP, Schroeder, and Alex Caruso each scored over 10, so that's very good for the Warriors. And, I mean, that that's a good defensive lineup you got right there. Overall, that's, that's very good. Um, yeah, this is another defensive matchup. Uh, but LeBron got the three off, and that, that ended it. So for now, this was my, possibly the most exciting play in game: Warriors versus Grizzlies. Um, this one went into overtime, the only play in game to do so this year so far. Well, this year, um, yeah, this one surprised me. Uh, if the Warriors would have won this, I would have got my whole Western Conference play-in tournament predictions correct, but they did not. Grizzlies were ahead big time at half by 13. Everyone was like, end of Steph Curry. This is the last time we're going to see him for this NBA season. But then they they cut it. Um, they cut the lead to five by the Grizzlies at the end of the third, and they tie it up at the end of the fourth. But Grizzlies have the edge in overtime, and it was really because of John Morant. And John Morant was really working on that three ball before the game I saw. And, and I mean, it paid off. He made – he shot 10 threes, but he made five of them. So good job for him for improving on that. And he scored 35 points, six rebounds, six assists, four steals. So, I mean, this is what you want from your franchise player. I mean, this is a, this is a guy you're really going to rely on going into the uh, – going even deeper into the playoffs. Well, uh, especially in this first round of the playoffs. This is a guy you're going to rely on in the next few years. Um, okay, solid game from Dylan Brooks. Uh, Steph Curry at 39, and they still lose. See what I mean? He scores 37 and 39 points, both play-in games. Warriors still lose. Curry played 47 minutes in this one. He had six threes. Uh, he had seven turnovers, though, and some of those were really costly in that first quarter because, I mean, in an important game like this, you can't have as many turnovers as he was having. Solid game from Andrew Wiggins, 22-10. and 10. Draymond Green. Now, this is – he could have saved the Warriors' season here. Uh, I don't think people realize what, what he did on that last play uh, before overtime. He was – so I forget who passed it to him. But he was open at the free throw line, wide open. And I know Draymond Green likes to pass. He doesn't shoot a lot. But, I mean, this is – there's seconds ticking down. He decides to drive in and shoot a contested kind of layup thing. But instead of shooting that jumper, and he can make that jumper. That might not be his his best spot, but he could make that. I mean, and you got to shoot that when the game's on the line. He had made a, a three earlier in the game. I mean, he's got to take that seriously. He, he took a much worse shot than that, um, than he should have. Um, so I think he was costly there. Draymond Green also had six turnovers. Turnovers were high for the Warriors this game. They had 21. Draymond Green still had a triple-double, though. Um, yeah, the I mean, they just – Curry probably should have started out more hot than he did, but he really started heating up in the second quarter and late first. 
uh, well, end of both of those quarters. Um, but John Morant just worked on the three ball, and that's a big reason why they won. If he wouldn't have been hitting those threes, this would have been hard for the Grizzlies to pull off because the Warriors were giving him those threes. Okay, so that's the end of the my play-in tournament um, recap. So the Grizzlies ended up getting the eighth seed, Warriors eliminated, and the Spurs eliminated, and the Lakers retain the seventh seed. So um, I'll start out with the first playoff series here. Um, let's see. All right. So I'm going to start out with the uh, with the Eastern Conference here. Um, so I'm, I'm going to predict. So the Wizards got the eighth seed again. Sixers got the first. So the so the first matchup here, we have 76ers versus Wizards. Um, I predict the 76ers will win this series. Okay. Um, first of all, it is very rare for an eighth seed to knock out a, uh, a number one seed. And here's some reasons I think the Sixers will not get knocked out here. First of all, the Sixers, the Sixers have been very good on offense and defense this season. And it's really been because of Embiid, who has uh, got some mentions for Defensive Player of the Year. Ben Simmons has has also. They have two Defensive Player of the Year candidates. candidates. And they've also got uh, Danny Green, who has been known as a good defender, and Tobias Harris. So here's the problem the, the Wizards are going to have. They're going to have Ben Simmons, the tall Ben Simmons, guarding Westbrook. Westbrook's not going to have the height advantage at point guard in this matchup. Ben Simmons is one of the tallest point guards in the game right now. And they, they really do have a tall starting lineup, the Sixers team. Ben Simmons is averaging 14 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists in the season. An all-run performance with, with, all, with uh, all defensive level defense. And he's going to be on Westbrook. Um, now, while Westbrook is aver- averaged a triple-double this year and should get some mention for All-NBA, um, I mean, he's got Ben Simmons on him, the tall guy. This is going to be hard for him to get rebounds, Westbrook. And by the way, this this series already played their game one. The 76ers won by seven points. Um, and Westbrook only grabbed five rebounds. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard for him to get rebounds, especially with a tall, a tall Sixers lineup they have. So first of all, Westbrook is going to, is not going to be in his triple-double form. It's going to be harder for him to get that. Second thing, Danny Green, who I was saying was a good defender, veteran, has three championship rings, uh, played a key role for the Lakers last season in their championship, uh, and also for the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's just been winning championships everywhere and then won one with the Spurs. And so now we have Danny Green with – this this guy has a lot of playoff experience. This that's the other thing about the Sixers team. That whole starting lineup, they've played in the playoffs before. Embiid's been in there for a few seasons, so has Simmons. And Tobias Harris up there, he's been in the playoffs. Danny Green definitely has. I mean, he's won three championships. And then uh Seth Curry in the playoffs last year with the Mavs, playing the Clippers, and also that year when the Blazers played the the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, he was with the Trailblazers at that point. So he's got experience too. That's the thing about this team. And Bradley Beal, I mean, he hasn't ever gone really that deep into the playoffs 
or well, he actually has, I take that back with John wall back when he was there as good buddy. Um, but yeah, anyways, he's still going to have an experienced defender on him. And so, but the, and so the, the backcourt for the, the wizards and we saw how the, how, uh, hard it is for them to win, especially in the play-in tournament versus the Celtics when those guys are not on their game. Because those those are the guys their offense revolves around. Uh, Beal for scoring, Westbrook for basically everything. Um, yeah, and the Sixers, since they've been so good on both ends, and they have Joel Embiid, number two MB, MVP candidate. I, do, I don't think he's going to win MVP. By the way, the top three got announced. Embiid's in there, so he is definitely top three. I mean, he's averaging 29 points, 11 rebounds, three assists on the season. Uh, even although the, the Wizards have had some good centers this season, uh, switch around. I don't know if anyone can, any of those guys can guard a number two MVP candidate. And uh, Embiid's, I mean, all, stars show up in the playoffs. So um, if Embiid just wants to make his case stronger, he's got to he's got to play really well this series. Um, the supporting cast is phenomenal for the Sixers. They still have Dwight Howard on the bench to, to back up Embiid. And Tyrese Maxey has been a bright spot for the for the Sixers and other key guys. A lot of others like Shake Milton, um, Mike Scott plays a decent role. So they've got some – they've got others too. Um, yeah, and, and – I didn't even talk about Tobias Harris yet for the for the Sixers. He's the he's the guy where Simmons and Embiid not on their game. He knows how to play. Okay, he can shoot from the mid range. He's a another great defender. I mean, they've got so many guys to throw on the Wizards stars, and he's averaging twenty points, seven rebounds, three and a half assists in the season. I mean, look at that. That's their third best player right there, uh, with good defense. That's the thing about this this. Uh, Sixers, this, this, these three best Sixers players here, they're good at defense and offense. And if you look at the, the Nets, I'm not taking anything away from the Nets, but their three best players are not above average defenders. So I'm just saying that's a good thing about the Sixers team. You can rely on your guys on both ends of the floor. So this is why these, those are some reasons I think the 76ers are going to beat the Wizards in this playoffs, and they've already got a 1-0 advantage over the Wizards. So you just need to win three more. All right, now on to the next series, Nets versus Celtics. Um, the Nets, I mean, now that their big three is healthy, they've got, like, everyone healthy now. Imagine if they had Spencer Dinwiddie. They'd just be so deep, but they're already very deep. I mean, their starting lineup now is Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, uh, Blake Griffin, and then you could put Joe Harris at the four. Or you could start DeAndre Jordan at the five, whatever. Or not Joe Harris at the four. They can put him in the guard, put Katie at the four. I believe versus the Celtics, they did DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and then the big three, um, which is a very good offensive lineup for sure. But they've also got depth. I mean, just like I said about the Sixers. I mean, I took depth into a pretty big account last year when I was uh, predicting the playoff series. But it's going to matter uh, – just as much this year in the playoffs. And I I only predicted, I believe, one series wrong last last season. So um, I'm really going to take depth into a big account again and see if I can still get the series right. Um, 
Yeah, and then on the bench, if they start with DeAndre Jordan, Griffin, the big three, like they did the other day versus the Celtics, um, they still got like Jeff Green and Joe Harris on the bench. Two, there, there's two big guys right there. They've got Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamit, some big three point shooters coming off the bench. Um, they've also got Nicholas Claxton, who has who has made some very good plays this season, has had some good games. Um, Mike James has been playing for the for the Nets lately. Um, yeah, they've just got so many guys, shooters. Uh, shooters is the big key, especially when you have a big three that draws a lot of attention. Shooters is a, something good to have for the Nets. They've also got uh, Bruce Brown, very good. Bruce Bowen, or no, Bruce Brown, sorry. Um, yeah, and here's the thing with the Celtics, what they're going to have to do to win. Again, they're going to need Tatum to explode every game here, and th- and no one can do that. I mean, no one can explode for 50 every game like he did with the Wizards. I mean, and if the Nets give all that up, I mean, their offense is going to have to just be so good. Also, they're going to need Kemba to be consistent. Uh, like I was saying the other day, or few minutes ago versus them with the Wizards. He's going to need to be consistent the whole series for the Celtics to win. Tatum's going to have to score a lot. And guess what? Tatum's going to run out of energy to guard the big three if he's going to be scoring 50 every night. It's going to, hard to, it's going to be hard to have to play your 100% effort on defense. Um, yeah, and by the way, the lineup with Kyrie, Harden, Durant, and Joe Harris has plus 18 on the season. So that's so sometimes some games it might be good to start Joe Harris because that's a good number right there. Um, the big three averages at least 20 points, five rebounds, five assists for all. By the way, Kyrie Irving is the fourth player in NBA history to, uh, to score 25 points on 50, 40, 90 shooting, 50 from the free throw line, 40 from or 50 from the floor, uh, 40 from the free throw line. 90 from the line. So they've got they've got shooting, especially in guys like Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamet. Uh, and this year, Kyrie has taken a step in that. Durant has obviously been good with his shots. Um, Harden's, I mean, not known for shooting, but it's not a bad shooter. Um, and then Joe Harris. So they've just got so many shooters at the Celtics. Um, in game one, the Nets also did win that game, but it wasn't really an offense heavy game. Like I expected, it was more of defense and slowing down Jason Tatum. Kemba was not consistent that game. Um, Tatum, Tatum had a pretty good start to the game, but didn't, it didn't end very well with him. Celtics were actually ahead by at halftime, but the, the Nets got a little groove with their offense. Uh, but, you know, the big three haven't played together a lot this season, so they're just going to have to uh, act like they're really experienced in this playoffs in order to make a deep run and to defeat the Celtics, this Celtics team. Um, so that, that that's why I think the, the Nets are going to win this series, and we'll take a short break. All right, guys, we're back. Um, next, the next matchup I got was Bucks versus Heat. 
Um, the Bucks also have the one to zero series lead lead versus the Heat, and they play the Heat tonight for the second game. First game was really exciting. Uh, I didn't see the whole game, but I saw that overtime piece of it. Um, I mean, really, really exciting game. It should be pretty close the whole series. I expect this to go to about six games, I'd say. Um, yeah, and so now last year, I predicted the Heat to beat the Bucks, um, and I was right, and it was an upset. And the main reason the the Heat pulled off that win was because the games Giannis played, the games he wasn't injured, the games Giannis played, they had guys to throw at him, which is which is what I predicted for the game. They'd have guys to or for the yeah the game guys to throw at him um, throughout the series. So, um, but here's the but here's the case now. So this time I'm picking the Bucks, um, and the main problem was because Giannis did not have a lot of help. He did help. He did not have a lot of depth in order to beat the Heat, even when he was down. Chris Middleton was okay, but I mean there was no one else on that team. Well, guess what? In the offseason, the Bucks acquired Drew Holiday, who uh, has been a big help to the Bucks, and I think that was a great move. Because uh, Chris Middleton and Giannis, as we know, both play good good defense. Drew Holiday just adds to that, and he adds playoff experience. Um, and, you know, Chris Middleton is a very good player, but with him as your second option and not really a clear third guy, you're not – I don't think you're going to be uh, – it's going to be hard to go to the championship. And that is obviously what the Bucs are, are pushing for. So I, very good to get Drew Holiday – and they also needed a guard to distribute to Giannis because Giannis just has to kind of create his own shot with Chris Middleton being more of a score first guy than a pass first guy. And so this is what they needed. They needed Drew Holiday and he can really take the pressure off Giannis and he can get him in his spots where he needs to go. And then now Giannis doesn't have to create so much, so many shots to himself. Now he has a guard to help him out with experience and, um, and could definitely help carry the load for the Bucs during the playoffs. I think he is that key piece in, in this playoff, Drew Holiday. He's averaging 6.1 assists on the season. Very solid. And while Chris Middleton is retaining his solid number of assists of around five, um, and Giannis has a good amount, around six, Giannis needs someone to get him in, into his spots, and they need someone else to draw attention. That's what I think. And they've also got more depth. Um, they still have Brooke Lopez at the center. Dante DiVincenzo has been better this year than last. And they also have guys like Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, um, other key guys off the bench, uh, Brian Forbes, to help uh, to help them throughout the series. So they've gotten more keys to, to fit in around Giannis. And... Um, so you might be thinking, well, they, well, the the Heat can still stop Giannis. Yes, but they will not have Jay Crowder, who was a key piece in that. Jimmy Butler will have to keep track of uh, Chris Middleton and Giannis, which he did last series, but he won't have Jay Crowder's help there. Instead, they'll have Trevor Ariza. Um, but and he also have to keep an eye on Drew Holiday getting getting Giannis in his spots. Um, in the first game of the series. Uh, went into overtime. Um, 
Giannis did not shoot well from the floor. He shot 0 of 13 out of the restricted area. That needs to change. He still scored a lot of points, grabbed a lot of rebounds. Uh, Drew Holiday was a big part, uh, made some key plays in overtime. And, of course, we had Chris Middleton with the game winner. See, there's too many guys to keep track of here. I mean, Giannis still had an okay game despite his uh, not-so-good shooting night. And then we had Chris Middleton with a key shot, and you still had Drew Holiday making plays. Um, and he have not been as complete this season. Have uh, The chemistry hasn't been as good with the Heat. And also, Tyler Hero has, has not taken a step as we thought he would. Uh, Duncan Robinson, I don't know if he's exactly a lot better than last year for the Heat. Again, they lost Jay Crowder, which was uh, <coughs> who is better than Trevor Ariza. Um, they're, they're still solid at the guard spot, though. They still got like Kedrick Nunn and um, Gordon Dragic, but um, they're gonna need more help on de- on the defensive end uh, with Crowder out, and then Hero hasn't exactly been consistent every game here. So those are some reasons I think the Bucks will pull this off. And really, do you think Giannis is going to lose in the first round and have the Heat pull off another upset again? I mean, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking about here. Because Giannis, we know, is a two-time MVP, is still improving his game, still trying to get that outside shot going, and it is not even in his prime yet. I mean, that's pretty scary and. And as we know, Giannis and the Bucks are a lot better, or well, as we know so far from Giannis, they have been better in the regular season in his time than they have been in the playoffs. That's another spot where Giannis needs to improve the playoffs. I mean, I don't see him getting upset again in the first round while they're still the third seed. They're not the first like last year, not as dominant, but they have more help and, um, and Giannis, I'm sure, has been studying the film of the of the Heat here. Jimmy Butler, uh, that was a good layup of on him or on Giannis. There, he had to force the game into overtime. By the way, and again, as I've said a few times, we still have Chris Middleton to worry about, even though Drew Holiday is coming here. And a good uh, some good evidence to that is he made the game winner the other night. So, um, and by the way, the Bucks lead the NBA in points per game. Uh, that's something to think about, too. And, you know, now that they've got their own sort of big three, um, that's what every team has nowadays. I mean, look at the Sixers. They've got Simmons, Embiid, Harris, Nets have Kyrie Harden, Durant, Bucks with Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton. These teams are just getting more and more stacked. Um, and by the way, the Heat are 25th in scoring. So the scoring edge is going to go to the Bucks here. But I, And th- I think this is still going to be like a defensive matchup. But if it ever does come to the offense, don't be shy uh, about the Bucks pulling it off. Um, so, yeah. So that's why I think the Bucks are going to win the series. Again, I already have a 1-0 to with 1-0 advantage, and they play again tonight for the game two. All right, uh, another really exciting series, Knicks versus Hawks. Uh, I believe the Knicks are going to win this series. Two pretty surprised teams. The Hawks, we expected coming in the season, 
we saw that they were trying to make a playoff push better than I thought. And uh, coach now coach Nate McMillan has been um, taking a step forward, got his deserved credit for coach of the year. And um, since they fired Lloyd Pierce, they've been a lot better than this Hawks team. Um, but I'm picking the Knicks. And um, this is because of their defense for the most part. Um, they have a top five defensive rating, um, and that and the Knicks actually won all three games they played versus the Hawks this series. Um, and Knicks also have a top ten net rating, so that's offensive rating minus defensive rating. And you want a high offensive rating, low defensive rating, so a high net rating is good. Um, and the Hawks are not in the top ten in that category. Um, and a key part to the Knicks. This season, um, and I know they've been known for their defense, but how about Derrick Rose bringing some good offense to the Knicks coming off the bench, scoring 14 points and four assists this season? Um, he's been a great spark when they need one, and you still got guys like Alex Bur- Alec Burks, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin even, guys like that coming off the bench. Ty Gibson. And uh, by the way, the starting lineup of uh, Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock, R.J. Barrett, um, Julius Randle, and Nerlens Noel it have 20 wins and 12 losses in their starting lineup. Um, very good number right there. And this is a very good defensive lineup overall. Um, and as Reggie Bullock said, their big five <laughs> over the, when he may, was making comments on the the Nets big three, um, but they really are. So anyways, they're really a solid team playing together as said in the stats here. And also uh, some defensive stat, more defensive stats for the Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle, uh, he's number two in defensive win shares this season behind, behind the guy who's likely to win defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Um, win shares again, uh, gives a player's contribution to their their team's defense. Um, and Randall's too, right behind the defensive player of the year guy. Julius Randall has been great on both ends of the floor and really has been in one of the most improved players this season. Definitely uh, deserves recognition for All-NBA. By the way, uh, either in one week or two weeks, I'm going to give you my top 15 players just – or 10 just from the regular season. And I'm going to uh, try to form them into all NBA teams. So you'll get to see my predictions on that uh, in a week or two. Um, also, you can't forget about the Knicks coach, top three coach of the year. He's in there with the Suns and I believe the Jazz coach. Um, and by the way, Julius Randle versus the Hawks this year, he has averaged uh, 37 points. He's shooting 58% from the floor, 50% from three. Um, phenomenal numbers. And again, this is over three games. Um, and while Clint Capella uh, averages 14 rebounds and other key guys for the Hawks are there to, to try and bug Randall, um, he's just having a breakout season. Uh, not many people can stop him here. And But the Hawks did somewhat stop him there in that game one. Uh, 
But the thing is, they still only won by two points. Like, even though it was a good game from him, because Alec Burks came off the bench and played really well. And uh, it was really pretty unlucky for the Knicks. I mean, they were winning with less than a minute to go. But then uh, Bogdanovich makes a key three. And um, Tra- and then, of course, Trey Young with his shot at the end. And, uh, and the Hawks won by two. Julius Randle, I have no doubt, will get better throughout the series. The Hawks do have guys to throw at him, but they also, but the Knicks also have guys to throw at Trey Young. Uh, I just believe the Knicks, the Knicks, de- uh, like top five defense in the NBA, can get it done with a coach of the year, with a guy with a breakout season, and their starting lineup has been very efficient together. Those are the main three reasons I think the Knicks are going to have the win over the Hawks, and then they're. And then the uh, the Hawks' key players like Trey Young, Clint Capella will have will have challengers. Okay, so that's why I think the Knicks will pull this off. This should be a very exciting series overall. I can see this one going to seven games. Um, all right, on to the Western Conference. We have the Jazz versus the Grizzlies. I predict the Jazz will win the series. Um, by the way, that was a great Game One victory for the Grizzlies. But I don't think that's going to last too much longer. By the way, Donovan Mitchell is expected to return for game two um, in the series. So that's great news for Jazz fans, as some Jazz fans might be just slightly worried about that loss to the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, the Jazz this season, they have the best seed, had the best seed in the conference, best in the whole entire NBA. And now they've got the whole team healthy uh, after Mitchell comes back. They've still got uh, Clarkson and Joe Ingles coming off the bench, guys that are uh, qualifying for sixth man of the year. That shows their depth. Jordan Clarkson has just been on fire with his with his pull-ups, his shooting, his score, or more like his scoring on his shooting. But uh, anyways, he's been a big spark. Joe Ingles can give you a little bit of everything. I mean, this Hawks team, just, I mean, sorry, this Jazz team just doesn't have anything missing with them. They, they uh, make the most threes in the NBA this season. Their defense, is, their defense is a top three rating, and their offense is a top five rating. There's nothing they're missing here. And the Grizzlies, on the other hand, their, their uh, offense is just average. Um, nowhere near the top five for the Jazz. And in threes, they're, um, they're on the bottom – the bottom half, not the top half, while the Jazz are first. So there's two clear advantages the Jazz are going to have on offense, okay? And, but the Grizzlies are still a solid team on defense. I do want to point that out. Um, there's, I mean, on defense. Did I say defense? Yeah, defense. Um, still a very solid team on that. We saw Dylan Brooks make some key plays on Steph Curry. Um, Valachunas in the paint. You can't forget about that big body. He'll be grabbing rebounds. Uh, John Morant, uh, Jarrett Jackson, um, and Kyle Anderson, those three guys are, are solid on defensive end and will hold up if you don't think so. Um, yes, yeah, so, so they'll hold up, but we don't know how they'll face versus the best team in the NBA, especially with a top five offense, number one in threes, two Six man of the year's uh, six man of the year candidates coming off the bench. Jordan Clarkson is a really hot scorer, 
And you can't forget about uh, Bogdanovich. I mean, he's he's been great from three the whole year. Not as good as last year. Still pretty good. And uh, Mike Conley is also coming back from his injury. Little rusty in game one. But again, this this Jazz team only lost by three points in that game, even without their best player. So there's no worries for Jazz fans. Trust me. Um, so yeah. So again, to recap them, the the Jazz have three All Stars this season: Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. A defense guy who's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert. And then they've still got Bogdanovich, who can who could really go off from three. And then you still have Royce O'Neal, who can play solid defense. And this is, like I said, top three defensive rating. So they can play both sides of the ball. They're deep. Um, so I'd say this is – Jazz got to get this one. And they're 3-0 and in the season series also. Um, yeah, Grizzlies, uh, John Morant, I mean, he's never played in the playoffs. Uh Valachunas has had a little experience, but, you know, uh, he'll be going up against Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, who's also a very good rebounder. So it's going to be tough for the Jazz guys to, to get going, especially since Mike Conley will be on, uh, will be on John Morant. Uh, it's, I expect this to be a defensive matchup throughout, but if it is offense, uh, lean towards the Jazz here. Top five in the rating, first and threes, like I've said a few times. So I expect Jazz to come out on this one. Next matchup, Suns versus Lakers. I'm going to go ahead and say this was the toughest one to predict. Uh, I do think the Lakers will come out with it. Suns won game one. Uh, I'd say there should be a little worry for Lakers fans, just a little bit, though. Um, but here's why I think the Lakers will pull it out. Um First of all, they have the best defensive rating in the NBA at 106.8. And they've also got great rebounders on their team. And they have a lot of size. So, like, we have LeBron over here averaging, averaging like, he's going to grab seven or eight rebounds. And he might even get a triple-double like he did in game one. Um, and we'll have – and we always have Anthony Davis there, who will also get you, like, eight or nine rebounds. And then Andre Drummond, who has, who has um, averaged a, a slight, I mean, below what he's used to, but still 10 rebounds per game is going to help them out a lot. Now, it is fair to say that the, the Suns have a good chance to match that, and DeAndre Ayton played really well for the Suns in game one. And he did, he did well on Drummond, and he, he got his, his share of rebounds. Um, so the Suns really did a good job that day, and they also did a good job of limiting Anthony Davis because they can throw guys on them. I mean, they can throw Sarge at him, which he won't help a lot, but he'll he'll have a little bit of size to match up. And But they'll also have guys like Torrey Craig, Jay Crowder, who helped with Giannis last year, and Jay Crowder um, also can help – help out with LeBron. So while, you know, they, the Suns do have got guys to throw with the Lakers, the Lakers just have slightly slight amount of more size and they also have experience. Uh, this is really an interesting one. I still don't really feel confident with my choice 
of the Lakers, but I, I do lean slightly towards them because you can also on Chris Paul, who, by the way, was in and out of the game in game one, uh, they can put KCP and Alex Caruso on, on Chris Paul, and you still have Dennis Schroeder in the backcourt. But the main concern here for the for Lakers for the Lakers um, is Devin Booker. He he scored thirty four points. He had seven rebounds and eight assists in in game one. That's going to be the main worry because I mean I don't think DeAndre Ayton is gonna is gonna beat up Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond every night. That's not that's not going to happen. Okay, but um, but I could definitely you know. I could definitely see Chris Paul not doing the best like he was doing. Um, but Devin Booker is, has got to be a, a, a concern for the Lakers here. But they can also throw K- KCP and Caruso on him. Schroeder needs to play some good defense. Um, and, you know, but the Lakers still have guys to throw on him. And you can't forget that Montrez Harrell played uh, well off the bench. Uh, in game one, uh, they still got Wesley Matthews, uh, Ben Lack- McLemore, uh, McRuth Morris, THT. I mean, the Lakers, they're just so deep, but so are the Suns uh, to match up with that. So, I mean, really, I just give I just give a slight edge to the Lakers here. The Lakers are uh, better than the Suns in rebound percentage. Um, they might just ha- – they have a slight amount of more depth than the Suns, and they have the best defensive rating in the NBA. I expect this to be a defensive matchup. Uh, again, Devin Booker is just going to be the main concern for the Lakers. Um, but um, the Lakers are also going to have to try to match up with the Suns' better offensive rating, assist percentage, and net rating. So the Lakers are just going to have to play well on both sides of the ball. Uh, Andre Drummond is going to make sure – DeAndre Ayton doesn't get more rebounds than him. Anthony Davis is going to have to get into a groove. LeBron's going to have to be LeBron. And KCP and Caruso are going to have to do it. And Schroeder are going to have to do a solid job on Devin Booker. They did all right on Chris Paul, but it is fair to say that he was injured too. Okay. So many key things that need to happen for the Lakers to win this one. Expect this one to go to around seven games. Okay. Um, Let's see. We have two more series here. So next one, we have Nuggets versus Blazers. Uh, I hate to go against the guy who's really likely to win MVP, Jokic, but I got to go with the Blazers here. But here's why. First of all, we got to talk about the backcourt. This is where the Nuggets would really want Jamal Murray because he could match up or at least explode for games to match up with Damian Lillard with Damian Lillard, and then um, and then Will Barton could try to, you know, score some points too, but he's also injured. So instead, we have Faku Compasso and Austin Rivers versus McCollum and Lillard. Okay, this is just a total mismatch right here. All right, big blow for the, for the Nuggets getting two of their – extremely key players injured. You might you might have been like when you heard Will Barton was out, Nuggets fans were probably like, I mean, yeah, this is pretty bad, but not the worst thing. It's actually pretty bad because that you have two guys who, who are just known for their scoring. Damian Lillard has been a top scorer this year, no doubt. McCollum had a good start to the year and has 
still done pretty well after his injury. And by the way, in game one, if you want some proof how mismatched this is, Faku and Rivers combined for 14 points of the Nuggets. McCollum and Lillard combined for 55. And the Blazers won game one by 14 points. Okay? And by the way, uh, on the season, Faku and Rivers are just going to score around what they did, around 14, 15 points. Their average combined is 15 points. Um, again, all these stats are rounded. Um, and McCollum and Lillard uh, went a little over their regular season average. Now, they're right. And, uh, but their average for uh, the season is 51 combined. But still, that's such a mismatch, 36 points over. So th- this, this is the first place where there's a clear advantage. It's not like Austin Rivers and Faku are really known for their defense either. So McCollum and Lillard should just, they just got to keep balling, keep doing their thing. Um, and here's the next thing. Um, Jokic, uh, expect him to win the center battle, but you can still throw different guys on him. Uh, Jokic is averaging 24 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, fairly uh, close to a triple-double. And, the, I mean, this is your MVP right here. But the thing is, the the Blazers can make up for him uh, by doing other things, like N.A.'s Cantor, as we saw that 30-rebound game versus the Pistons weeks ago. <coughs> mm. He can help out on the rebounding, and Nurkic can do a little bit of everything. He can help out the defense. So you have two very great centers to, to uh, put on Jokic to see what they can do. So it's not like this is a total mismatch at the center spot. And this is the place where the Nuggets really need to have an advantage if they want to pull off the series. So we're going to need a big series from Jokic. Offensive matchup. This is That's what I expect this to be because – we have uh, – the Blazers are definitely not known for their defense, but their offense is what gets them the, the win and their crunch time performances. So the Blazers, they're going to need Lillard and McCollum, like I said, keep doing their thing. And they also got Norman Powell uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, very solid addition. He provides great shooting, um, just adds on to the offensive role. And then Robert Covington, if they do need help on defense, he can help out. Nurkic can help out a little bit. And then on the bench, you can't forget, you have Simons, who can who can score, and you also got Melo. Can't forget about Carmelo Anthony. Um, easily one of the best scorers of all time. He's a top 10 uh, in points. Um, he'll be coming off the bench. Big help. Um, by the way, the only guys on the Nuggets who are really guaranteed to get you over 10 points are Jokic and Michael Porter Jr., Michael Porter Jr. and Mello are two key guys for their teams in this series that people might not exactly be looking at. People are probably looking at Lillard and Jokic, but Mello and Michael Porter Jr. are two key scorers for both of their teams. Michael Porter Jr. is a very fun guy to watch. But, I mean, first of all, this is like his second or third season here, and he's going to have to take a heavy load as the second best player. Okay? And – I know you could probably say Aaron Gordon is going to get over 10, but he, he'll just crack it. I mean, I, he has a, he's had like maybe one or two 20-point games since he's joined the Nuggets. So don't expect a ton from him, especially since they still got Robert Covington to put on him. Um, yeah, Melo's averaging 13 points per game on the season, so that will be definitely some solid scoring. 
Um, they just have more options than Nugget than the Nuggets on the offensive end because the backcourt for the Nuggets is basically non-existent. And I mean, they can get some scoring out of Gordon, but it's limited. So the scoring is just gonna have to come from Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic. I'm really if you're a Nuggets fan, you really want to see Michael Porter Jr. go off in this series. That that's gonna be the key matchup. The key uh, key matchups going to be Powell versus uh, Michael Porter Jr. here. Um, yeah, so that's what you want to see if you're going for the Nuggets. Again, I have nothing against the Nuggets. I've, I've loved watching the Nuggets this season. I mean, they've been so exciting. But I just want to make my case clear that the Blazers are going to win this playoff series. And I don't think it's even going to go that far. I think it's going to maybe go five games. I don't I, I don't see this going seven games. Um Again, no disrespect to the Nuggets. Um, I just I just really have a lot of confidence in the Blazers in this one. We'll take one more short break and then and I'll be back with my last playoff series prediction. All right, guys. Um we just have one more key or what the last playoff series to uh, to cover. And um, it is the Dallas Mavericks versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, the Mavericks won game one of the series. But here's why the, um, the L.A. Clippers are going to win the series. Um, first of all, the Mavs are going to need to rely on Doncic a ton more than you might think. Because what we saw from the Mavs versus the, um, the Clippers in game one was we saw role players like uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway really stepping up. But um, they're not going to be that consistent every game, even as good as they are. And the Clippers' solid defense with guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, of course. Um, but here's the other thing, how they're going to need to rely on Doncic too much. And this is a thing I really think um, Dallas Mavericks coaches – and front office need to address the uh, during the offseason. And this is why Doncic is going to have to carry much of the load this series. Um, the Mavs need playmaking. I mean, they, they need a playmaking forward, if you want to be specific. But they need more playmaking in that starting lineup. Because first of all, um, Luka Doncic is the only guy in that starting lineup if we're saying it's a starting lineup of Josh Richardson, Doncic, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway, and Porzingis, if we're saying that starting lineup, and even if you want to put Kleba in there, Maxi Kleba, um, who's who's sometimes in that starting role, and he was versus the Clippers, I believe, even if you want to put him in there, all those guys don't even average three assists, like uh, by themselves, like none of them average over three assists per game. Okay. And also, um, even though Doncic is a top passer, he was top five in assists at the end of the season, the Mavs finished 26th uh, out of all the 30 teams in assists. So they there were only three teams worse than them. Okay? And even though Doncic was one of the leading assisters, they still weren't up there. And it's because of the role players. The role players, I mean, they just don't have passers on their teams. And – the, I mean, the ball moving in all, re, 
evolves around Doncic. So imagine if he has an off game, which is very unlikely he will. That's why the Clippers are going to have to play really well this series. But still, like the role players aren't going to make their shots every every game here. It, but they did a very good job on that in game one. But I believe that's not going to happen every game. Um, okay, so that's really something I really want uh, the Mavs front office to address if you if you want Doncic's Reese's potential. Because Mavs fans might be thinking, uh, well, the Clippers won last year. They played versus the Mavs in the playoff series because they also played them last year. Um, they won in they won in six games. Doncic literally did everything he could, and they still lose. And you still think they're going to lose next year? I mean, and you still think they're going to lose this year? And yes, it's because they really have something that they need to address, and it's because of the playmaking. I mean, really, Doncic is over here, top five in assists, still can't, still is twenty sixth. I mean, they really need a forward, maybe in the draft or something, maybe. Uh, free agency, but that's what they need to address to go farther in the playoffs. I mean, plus it is a little unlucky, um, plus it is a little um, unlucky that they're playing the Clippers two straight years because they have more of a uh, one-two punch. They can go with Kawhi and Paul George, while Porzingis will have some off games. Um, So I I just think they need a playmaking forward, someone who can create shots while Doncic is coming off the bench. And also some more proof to that. Doncic has the highest usage percentage in the NBA. Usage tracks a bunch of other bunch of things like how often you shoot the ball, how often you pass the ball. Basically, it has to do things when the ball is in your hand. It basically shows how much of a load you're taking. And Doncic is number one in the NBA in usage percentage. Okay? So he's doing that just shows how much of a load he's taking for this Mavs team. And while the the Clippers are more balanced, they have Kawhi Leonard, who's averaging 25 points, six and a half rebounds, five assists. Paul George, 23 points, seven rebounds, five assists. That's more of a balanced attack than Doncic going for like 30 or 40 with a triple-double. Okay, that's going to be hard to do every game. And this is why Doncic is so good because he, he does this, he does that really often. I'm just saying it's going to be so hard versus the Clippers who can play more defense, have more depth and um, have have guys that have more playmaking on the offensive end and Kawhi and Paul George. And you also have playoff Rondo. Don't forget about him coming off the bench. Key point guard for the for the Clippers these next few games. And by the way, um, the Clippers lead the NBA in three-point percentage this year with 41% of their threes going in. The Mavs are at 36%. And that number is going to have to go up in this series if the Mavs want to win because that's those are the shots the role players are going to have to hit, like Hardaway, Finney Smith, um, Josh Richardson, Kleba, Porcina is basically everyone on the team. Um, that's going to have to go up. They also lead the NBA in free throw percentage, and I know um, that that might have jinxed them the other night because they made some they missed some key th- free throws down the stretch. Um, but I believe the the Clippers are going to come back in this. I mean, I can totally see Doncic scoring like 40 points again. I can totally see him being good every single game. But it's the role players. How are the guys around him going to do? That usage percentage is going to be so high after the series, I think. Um, and it, and it, 
I just want to make this clear. It's not Doncic's fault that the if the Clippers lose to this series. It likely is not going to be that. Very likely isn't. It's going to be the role players. They're going to need guys to step up when he's off the court, guys to take the load off of him so he can take a break. I mean, really. Doncic is just such a good player, but they need to build around him more, the Mavs. Um, Clippers are just more balanced. That's the main reason I have the Clippers winning this one. Um, and also, the Clippers are hungry. I mean, it might it definitely didn't seem like that last night, but they got to show that hunger they have because of losing to the Nuggets when up 3-1. to one. That was one of the greatest comebacks in NBA history for the Nuggets. Uh, with Jokic, Jamal Murray, they led the comeback and won the series in seven games versus the Clippers while they were down 3-1. to one. Okay, and also that was the second straight series they came back from a 3-1 to one deficit. So Clippers got to show that hunger out there. They just got to show more aggressiveness than they did in game one. Okay, so just look for that. I believe they play tomorrow night. Um, also, the Mavs' defense was good last night. I mean, the Mavs did many good things last night. They, they did have a little luck, but that wasn't the main point. They had role players making shots. They were playing good defense. I mean, it was just a great night for the Mavs. <clears throat> but I don't see that happening every night. Uh, and also, you can put, like, Kawhi, Paul George guys on Doncic. By the way, Doncic is averaging 28 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists in the season. Shows again how much of a load he's taking scoring and passing-wise. And just how good he is in general. But I just want to – I just – hopefully I made the case pretty good with that, that Doncic needs some help, uh, needs some playmaking help, and just so he can have a break, uh, play some defense, get the Mavs defense going. But anyways, Mavs played great in game one. We'll see how the rest of the series goes. Um, it should be exciting, guys. Just keep keep watching the games. Um I'm hoping my predictions are correct, of course, and uh, we'll see what round two brings to us, um, and hope you like this episode.